Okay, here we go. Let's get rolling. Anyway, of course, this is, this is like I say, your, your Bible's laid out here, Genesis all the way to uh, Revelation here. Uh, before we get back over into uh, some chronicled stories, we're in First Chronicles there. Uh, I want to go to Matthew, I mean, excuse me, go to Mark. Uh, I'll get it in a minute. Luke. Let's go to Luke. And uh, I want to go to 11 here. Now, in Luke, it's also laid out chronologically. It's in order. It's, it's history, you know. This is going to be uh, John the Baptist and Jesus being born here and whatever. And all the way down to the end, this is when he died. And in 24, it's, uh, he's ascended up to heaven. But anyway, I want us to jump right in the middle of it. Remember, you, most of this history is only like about three years of his life, you know. Maybe even just the last year of his life when, they, when, when it's like Jesus went. Let's take, for instance, let's go to the eighth chapter just a second. See if we pick up on something. Uh, yeah, not long after he began a tour of the cities. Well, this wasn't when he was young. <laughs> I mean, so th- this is a snapshot of uh, the last uh, days he was on earth. Let's see, pick up in the ninth chapter. Look at this. One day he called together his 12 apostles and gave them authority over all demons uh, to cast them out and to heal all diseases. Wow. Look at that. And he actually he said, don't take an American Express card. Don't take any food. Don't take any money. He was trying to show them like Phil's talking about, you know, the Lord just provides, you know. You know, I mean, uh, well, I can't count on that. Yes, you do. Practice counting on the Lord. He'll be there for you. It's like. I couldn't believe it. I told you last week, I, I said, if you run out of gas, and all of a sudden the next day I ran out of gas. <laughs> but I was looking around, and sure enough, there was my answer right in front of me. A guy with a golf cart and took me over there where I could get a can of gas. Now look at this. This is the ninth chapter. I want to show you something interesting here. Look, that was the 12. In other words, heal the sick and whatever, cast out demons. All right. Uh, let me scroll down just a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. All right, here, let's go to... No, notice what he said right down here. He's still... Oh, they began their circuit of the villages preaching the good news and healing the sick. Now, you can't, you can't not catch that. They were healing, praise the Lord. And, man, listen, your days go up and down. Sometimes you feel good, sometimes you don't. You need to recognize the Lord will help you. It's just like when you finally get it straight concerning finances. Don't worry about, it's filthy money. No, it's filthy if you worship money. You know, and all your life is just money, 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 money. And I want what Laura has. Or I want what Marna's got. You know? No, ask the Lord to get you your own. You know, like your mobile home. Like, feel God. The Lord will get you one. I mean, it's like, great. And then you got it. You're honoring the Lord all the time. And you don't get worried about going, well, this is a dog-eat-dog world. No, it's not. Well, it may be, but we're, we're in it. But we don't live that way. But the same thing's true with healing here. Look at that. Even Herod was like, who the heck is all this? All these miracles taking place. You know? But it, Jesus had 12 other people working. But look at this. We go to the 10th chapter. Now the Lord chose 10 verse 1, Luke 1. Luke 10 verse 1. He chose 70 others. Oh, it's getting out of control. We always say, well, the work I kind of do, I'm showing trends, financial trends in our, the way our... The, the, the army program I'm on, I'm on, you know, they need to see forecast and trends. Look at this trend. They're still healing. Oh, my gosh. So why would you want to say, well, you got this trend. He's healing, healing, and all of a sudden when Jesus dies, phew, it quit. Well, it's because we got doctors. Oh, please. Go back and read the Bible. Naaman was healed. He never even saw Jesus, you know. People were healed. God promised the Israelites that there wouldn't be a sick person among them. But, yeah, they were like, ah, no, I want to worship the sun because I want to come down with cancer. Or I want to worship the sun because I want to have liver problems when I grow old. God's like, okay, help yourself then. Let that tree heal you then. Just, they're just ridiculous. But as good Baptists, Methodists, and whatever background you are, we do the same things. We're like, 
I've been treating Jesus like he couldn't heal a splinter in my finger. I mean, and, and just start trusting the Lord. Because you know, Bob and I were talking, we went to breakfast the other day. And he had got in something in the quick of his finger and it was hurting, you know. And I said, well, I took a steel brush the other day and I was cleaning. I forget what it was. I was cleaning. And one of the wires was hanging out the right. And one time when I was going forward, boom, it went right off that finger now. But I, first thing I did is because I'm just used to it. Lord, help me. Instead of, well, I guess, Lord, why did you do this to me? I guess there's a blessing in this somewhere. No, there's not. I'm screaming. <laughs> and, but I'm glad I can scream and go, help, Lord, help. Oh, Jesus' name. Praise God. Hallelujah. And then before I know it, usually, I mean, just over time, I mean, I mean I've mean, i done this ever since I've started paying attention to the scriptures. I mean, I, I kept on working. I didn't hurt my, I didn't have to go up, up to upstairs and wrap my finger or nothing. It took care of itself in a few seconds. But anyway, so here's what he did with a 70. Look at these instructions. Plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out more laborers to help you. Well, that means there could be more than 70. And of course there were. Remember, uh, John and uh, James and John came to Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, we saw somebody casting out demons and we told him to quit because he was not one of us. And Jesus said, Hey, don't forbid him. He's on our side. Anyway, go now and remember, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money. Okay, we heard that. Don't take X pair of shoes. Don't waste time along the way. Now look at this next statement. Praise the Lord. Whenever you enter a home, give it your blessing. Okay? Uh, let's see. If it's worthy of the blessing, the blessing will stand. If not, it'll return to you. When you enter a village, don't shift around going from home to home. Okay? And, and look, notice what he says. Stay in one place, eating and drinking without question, whatever's set before you. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, for the workman's worthy of his wages. Now look at eight. If a town welcomes you, follow these two rules. These are like two things we like. Oh, they're, they're not in the account anymore. Well, you know, a lot of people have trouble with, well, I, I, I cannot eat that or whatever or whatever. But look at this. It's okay to eat. In other words, we think Christianity is starving. You got this group and all they talk, all they talk about is fasting. You know, so I've been fasting. You know. And it just brings arrogance. Because when you tell somebody you're fasting, the other guy's not fasting and he's going, wow, you must really be close to the Lord. And Jesus said about fasting, don't tell anybody. Don't let anybody know. Keep your face clean. Don't let anybody know. But Jesus knows you're fasting. And if you think about that, when you're like, well, well, yeah, show the Lord that you're doing without something so that because of a prayer that you're asking him to help you out on something. Don't let anybody else know. And Jesus said, your father in heaven, he'll fix it for you. Look at it. Okay, so eat, it's number one. And then look at that. And heal. Notice this. Two rules. Eat and heal. Man, come on. We, we, just, we just have to get it. And we do. And as you heal them, tell them, hey, the kingdom of God is very near to you. God, be nice if the Bible was true. It is true. Praise the Lord. Let's jump ahead. Here we go. Once, when Jesus was out praying, one of his disciples came to him as he finished and said, Lord, teach to pray, to recite a prayer, just as John taught one to his disciples. Well, here's the Lord's Prayer. Look at this. This is a prayer he taught him. Father, may your name be honored in holiness. Now, this is the Living Bible, but it's the same thing. Our Father, which art in heaven, you know, uh, give us our food, by, uh, in other words, day by day. Notice he didn't say skip a day. Because God wants you to learn what it's like to be hungry, you know. Well, I know why I went through that. I learned what it's like to not have a car because I had a car wreck. Come on. Don't you know that already? I know what it's like not to have a car. Myrna knows what it's like not to have a car. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you, <laughs> we got that. That's just a ridiculous thing to say. You should be looking for another car, you know. Anyway, forgive us our sins. You know, Jesus said you just say, forgive us our sins. And here we are in a lot of churches today. Well, I, I don't want to ask the Lord to... I mean, that's his business. I may, have, I may have 
pushed the wrong button. I did something really wrong. Come on. We've all made mistakes. Never mind's the worst one. Oh, is it worse than Adam? And Adam got forgiven. He sent Jesus for us. Anyway, forgive, uh, as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't allow us to be tempted. Okay, now watch what happened. He's talking about prayer, isn't he? Nothing's changed. This is not a mythological book. Then, right then, teaching them more about prayer. Watch this. He used this illustration. Suppose you went to a friend's house. Let's see if we can relate to that. Well, there's no such thing as friends today. Yeah, there is. Come on. And you go at what? Oh, man, Richard. Yeah, well, Jesus is trying to make a point here. You went at midnight. But now he's my friend. I know how to wake him up. Wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You would shout up to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I got nothing to give him to eat. He would call down from his bedroom, hey, look, man, don't bother me. We're all in bed. Isn't that what he says? Please don't ask me to get up. The door's locked for the night and we're all in bed. I just can't help you this time. Look at that. That is no, isn't it? I cannot help you. No. Now, Jesus is talking about what? Prayer. Because preachers have barked and barked and their favorite sermon is yes, no, and maybe. And you don't find that in the scriptures. Not yes, no, and maybe. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Well, I'll just get me one of them eight balls and I'll just shake it. Not like I did. I thought that was so cool. You know, yes. Your girlfriend love you. Shake, 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 shake. Not likely. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I mean, come on. You know, and we think Christianity's that way because the preacher spent 30 minutes trying to prepare me for failure. Sometimes it doesn't always work out. God works in mysterious ways. Does it say that here? Remember, he's teaching them. And look at his story. He basically said, this guy says, no, man, it's midnight. You out of your mind? No. And he said that to the woman that was the, remember the woman that said, well, even the dogs get the crumbs. He said that to her. He said, it's not right. Yeah, that's right. Look, here we go. Look what he says. He said, we're all in bed. I just can't help you this time. Look at this. But I'll tell you. Now, who's the owl? Jesus said this. Though he won't do it, look at this, as a friend. See, I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. God loves me. Look at that. It's not even because of that. It's not because of that. He says, though he won't do it as a friend, if you keep knocking long enough. I mean, so as I'm going to Phil's house and he's got this new, new, he eventually going to say, I got to help Richard. He's never going to leave us alone. And he'll hand a loaf of bread out. <laughs> hey, thanks. Bye. And I'm gone. You know, that's what he's saying happened here. Here we go. Look at this. So, if you keep on knocking long enough, he'll get up and give you everything you want. That's the reason as a young person, I mean, well, when I was younger, and I was teaching youth groups, I taught this all the time. Well, Richard, don't you think those young people are going to get confused? No, I never confused the one of them, you know. It's like, remember when Dominique lost her diamond ring or whatever it was, and what happened? She called so excited, she found her diamond ring and told her dad, don't you tell me there's not a God, you know. How do you find your... Mm. Anyway, so look what he says. He will give her everything you want just because of your persistence. Yeah, but Richard, I prayed for a car for two years now. Well, don't you dare give up. You just keep telling the Lord, hey, it's been two years. (laughs) I'm not quitting. You know, I'm not going down. Okay. So it is with prayer. Look at that. So it is. Keep on asking. And you'll keep on getting. See, this is where if we flipped it to the King James, it would say, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock. See, here it is. Keep on looking and you'll keep on finding. The door and knock and the door will be open. Look at this. For everyone. 
See how if you're reading the Bible by yourself, you'll go, the Lord will remind you. He'll go, see, that works for you. Ah, it works for everybody else. You'll go, no, everyone. Everyone who asks receives. And all who seek, find. And the door's open to everyone who knocks. Wow. And then he says, hey, you guys are dads. You guys got kids. If your son asks for bread, what do you do? Give him a snake? Do you give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, do you give him a snake? If he asks for an egg, do you give him a scorpion? Of course not. See, we have people today that go, well, you ask. I'm not going to ask the Lord because, you know, be careful what you ask for. He'll probably send a tornado to your house. They'll have some lovely story. The insurance paid it off and I got a better house now. Well, what else happened? Well, I lost all my furniture and wound up in the hospital. But you get up there in church and say, well, it's a blessing, whatever. And the Lord will save you. I understand that. But I'm just saying, but sitting there just, 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 just saying disaster is somehow makes a success. No. God, it's ridiculous. Anyway, yeah. Right, even if, look at this. Even if sinful persons like you give children what they need, don't you realize your Heavenly Father will do at least that much? Wow. And give the Holy Spirit to those that ask Him. Wow. Praise the Lord. Look at that. And that's all about prayer. Hallelujah. Anyway, so now let's go back over here because he's the same. Remember, he said I was around before Abraham was. So let's go back over here where we were. We're at First Chronicles and I think we're, let's see, I think I'm at 18 right here. Okay. Yeah, we are. We just got, uh, remember, uh, he was trying to, uh, he thought he was going to build a temple for the Lord. He wanted to and Nathan, uh, Nathan thought, yeah, go ahead and do it, you know. Carry out your plan. But the Lord told Nathan, nah, tell him don't do it. Uh, you know, I've gone from tent to tent talking about the Lord here. Look at that. Look how the Lord says, when I brought Israel out of Egypt, I'm not listening to that. It never happened. Well, it's all through the Bible. <laughs> it did happen. Praise the Lord. But anyway, but tell my servant, the Lord of heavens, notice what he says. He said, verse 7, this is First Chronicles 17, verse 7. I brought you from being a shepherd and made you the king of my people, you know, whatever. And he said, I'm going to make your name great. Okay, so we got all this. So David... Was, was excited about this. Here we go, the 18th chapter. Finally, David, uh, let's see, yeah. Uh, th I think, hang on one second, let me make sure. Make sure I'm not in 19. Oh, uh, no, I'm in 19, excuse me. Okay, we already covered 18. Let me double check. Uh, I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah, yeah, we covered that. Okay, because David uh, acquired all this wealth. He, the Lord just got it for him. Okay, so here we go. When King Nahash of Ammon died, his son Hanan became the new king. Now, I remember that was Lot's kids a long time ago. His two daughters that uh, went to bed with their dad, Mr. Lot, you know. Right there, that was in Genesis chapter 19, right after Sodom and Gomorrah gets wiped out. The Moabites and the Ammonites, they came from, from Lot's family. And the Lord kept those guys safe up to now. They're all worshiping other gods. and Anyway. So King Nashash of Ammon died. His new son, Hanan, became the new king. Then David declared, now again, watch this. Why do we have these details? See, it must have happened. I am going to show friendship to Hanan because of all the kind things his father did to me. Well, the son's going to be an idiot here. David sent a message of sympathy to Hanan for the death of his father. But when David's ambassadors arrived, oh, you ever seen that old movie with Gene Wilder, you know? You know, they got their, curt, their pants cut off here and their buttocks was showing, you know. Real funny movie. I like to think about that because that's what's going to happen here. He sent a message to this guy and said, hey, I'm sorry about your dad. David's ambassadors arrived. King Hanan's counselors warned him, hey, don't fool yourself that David sent these men to honor you. They're spies. 
Oh, brother, you know. Oh, let's see. They're here to spy out the land so that they can come in and conquer it. Good grief. David was already, he was already friends with this guy. So King Hanani insulted David's, King David's ambassadors by shaving off their beards. Here we go, cutting their robes off in the middle to expose their rear ends. He sent them back to David. Well, I'll tell you this. You know, well, we just have to take it. Didn't mean to offend you. No, fight back. Ridiculous. When David heard what happened, our sweet little David plays a harp. Man, the New Testament, you can't go from chapter to chapter without hearing David, 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 David. Even the book of Revelation, I'll give you the keys of David that unlock doors that cannot be, that could, you know, couldn't be, uh, that couldn't be opened. Wow. Anyway, when David heard what happened, he sent a message to his embarrassed emissaries telling them to stay in Jericho until your beard grew out again. When King Hanan realized his mistake, he spent $2 million to enlist mercenary troops and chariots and cavalry from Mesopotamia, uh, Amram and whatever, Zebo, whatever. Okay. Well, David, you can't win them all. Yes, he did. That's why we're looking at this. Every battle he won. Uh, Moses told him, well, it was the Lord. But the Lord told Moses, you tell the Israelis every time they go out, they're going to win. It was their fault if they didn't win. It's because they were worshiping idols. Remember the previous chapter, David had, they wiped out this whole army and the whole field was covered with idols. And his men ran out there to get them. And David said, no, 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 burn them. And they burned all the idols. Okay, thou shalt have no other gods. Yeah, really, what do I need another god for? One is all I need. And he's the only one. The rest of them are fake. So this bad guy here, this king, he hired 32,000 chariots as well as support from King Makai and his entire army. These forces camped at Madiba and they were joined by the troops King Hanan had recruited from his cities. This is getting kind of big. Are you sure? You know, it's not, there's no such thing as God. You got to have power and no, he can save by many or few. Remember that? Doesn't matter. I don't care what these guys are doing. When David learned this, he sent Joab. And the mightiest warriors of Israel, that's because they all love the Lord. The army of Ammon went out to meet them and began the battle in the gates of Mediba. Meanwhile, the mercenary forces were, let's see. Anyway, here comes the battle. Let's see how it goes. When Joab realized the enemy forces were both in front of him and behind, wow, he divided his army, sent one group to engage the Syrians. The other one were under the command of his brother Abishai against the Ammonites. And he said, hey, if the Syrians are too strong for me, hey, by the way, is there, is there such a place called Syria? Yeah, same group. If the Syrians are too strong for me, come and help me, Joab told his brother. If the Ammonites are too strong for you, I'll come and help you. Be courageous. Let us act like men to save our people and the cities. Here it is. See, they were thinking, this is the Lord with us. And may the Lord do whatever's best. So Joab and his troops attacked the Syrians and the Syrians turned and fled. When the Ammonites, under attack by his brother, saw the Syrians retreating, they fled into the city. Boy, Joab ran back to Jerusalem. Okay. What happened then? After, look at that. After their defeat. Golly. You know, the Bible tells us all the time in the New Testament we get this. We're more than conquerors. Want to put a thousand to flight? Two, ten thousand? We don't need to be asleep at the wheel. I know every day when you have a new problem, it's like it just takes over. It's the worst one we ever had. I work that way. I'm like, oh, God. And that's the reason you have things like count your many blessings, name them one. And, when you, and you start thinking about them, I'm going to get out of this. I, mean, I don't even know this new problem. I just know my Lord who's here with me. He's going to help me. 
So why do I want to think this one here is going to get me? You know, the one. I mean, if I if I stop right now, all my, I'm 59, and I've. <laughs> It's almost like every problem has been the worst one I've ever had in my life. It's like, it's, they've all been the worst. And here I am today. You know, got out of every one of them. So anyway, the Syrians summoned additional troops from the east. In other words, they tried to regroup. Led by Shofak, King Hadezer's commander-in-chief. When this news reached David, boy, David got involved. Look at this. He mobilized all Israel, crossed the Jordan, engaged the enemy in battle. But the Syrians fled from David, and he killed 7,000 charioteers, 40,000 of their troops. Golly, that's a lot. That's like a fourth of Huntsville. Okay. Then King Hadezer's troops surrendered to David, and he made them his subjects. And never again did the Syrians and the Ammonites try to pull that off again. Wow. Wow. All right, into that chapter. Here we go. What happened next? The following spring. The spring was the season when wars usually broke out. Joab led the Israeli armies in a successful attack against the cities and villages of Ammon. After destroying them, he laid siege to Rabbah and conquered it. These are places you can find in Israel today. Meanwhile, David had stayed in Jerusalem. Where's that? You know where it is? Same Jerusalem. Okay. When David arrived on the scene, look at that. He removed the crown from King Milcom of Rabbah and placed it on his own head. It was made of gold. It's like... Phil's talking about he just upgraded RVs or whatever, or trailer, whatever you got. Look at this thing. It was made of gold, inlaid gems, and weighed 75 pounds. Don't you know that was hard? <laughs> you know, but David wanted it. He said, man, that's a cool crown. It's mine now. Golly. Gold, gold, gold. David's such a sinner. Oh, really? Is that what's going on here? Mm-mm. David also took a large amount, took large amount, great amounts of plunder from the city. He drove the people from the city to set them to work with straws, iron picks, axes, as was his custom with all the conquered Ammonite peoples. Oh, well, I can't believe. The Ammonites worship the fire god and all this kind of, they were throwing their kids. Oh, anyway, and this is going to happen to Israel too. Once they start worshiping, throwing their kids to the fire, they're going to lose their rear end too. They're going to lose the whole kingdom. Okay. The next war, the Philistines, uh, again at Gezer. But Sebekiah, a man from Hushef, had killed one of the sons of the giant. Ah, come there ain't no giants. This is fairy tales. Oh, is it? Look at the details. And we got museums where they got evidence of giants. Look at this. The next war, okay, look at this. They, he killed one of the sons of the giant, Sepiah, and also the Philistines surrendered. During another war... So that's one giant. Here comes another one. Elhanah, the son of Jer, killed Lamai, the brother. Well, that story never happened. That was a fairy tale to try to get kids excited about the Bible. Well, that got me excited already because when I heard it as a kid, I was taught it was so. And it is so. It happened. Kill the brother of Goliath. The handle of his spear was like, here it is, a weaver's beam. That was the best way to describe it. Wish we had something different we'd know. But obviously, he's big. It's got to be a big one. Okay. During another battle, here's the third one. At Gath, a giant with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. His father was also a giant. Now we got right, look at five giants here. Look what he did. Uh, he defied and taunted Israel. But look what happened. Don't you think this guy, David's nephew, don't you think he heard the story about his uncle? Man, my uncle was only 10 or 11 and he took out a giant with one shot. He was killed by David's nephew. Yeah, we just don't need to be having names in the Bible because that's dangerous because we just need to say the Lord will help you. No, 
This helps us knowing, wow, the historian wrote this down. Anyway, David's nephew Jonathan, the son of David's brother Shemiah, these were giants and were descendants of the giants of Gath, and they were killed by David and his soldiers. Praise God. Man. End of that chapter. Well, what's happening next? Well, look. Oops, I passed it. So chapter 21. Uh-oh. Then Satan brought disaster upon Israel. For he made David decide to take a census. Well, what's that? Remember, you count the people. and Remember, the Lord's able to save by many or a few. Mm, you know. David was just, you know, whatever. We're all, we're human, whatever. He says, take a census throughout the land and bring me the totals. How many soldiers you got over there? How many soldiers you got here? How many you got there? Boy, his sidekick, the, the general of the army, well, he told Joab, Joab, hey, if the Lord were to multiply the people a hundred times, would they not all be yours? Why are you asking us to do this? You must not cause Israel to sin. Anyway, David, of course, he's king. He says, hey, I don't care. You're going to do this. Anyway, the king won the argument, and Joab did, uh, did uh, as he was told, and he traveled through Israel, returned to Jerusalem. The total population came to look at that. Of course, this is fairy tales. It never happened. Well, I wouldn't have stuck this story in if it was fairy tales. It was real. So they got 1.1 million of military age, then a half a million basically in Judah. But he didn't include the Levites and Benjamin in his figures because he was, look at that, he was so distressed. See, he knew he shouldn't be doing this. Don't be doing this. That lets me know that Joab loved the Lord. And of course he did. Remember, Joab just beat the poop out of the Philistines just the chapter before. God too was displeased with the sentences and he punished Israel for it. Now let's watch the details. Remember, a historian wrote this down. So let's see what happened. David said to God, hey, I'm the one that blew it. I messed up. Please forgive me for I realize now uh, how wrong this was to do. And the Lord said to Gad, that was his personal prophet, go tell David the Lord has offered you three choices. Now this is not like genie in a bottle or something like that. You've got to understand, Israel was a holy nation trying to be. They had sacrifices in the morning and the evening, a lamb for their sins and whatever. And it, David stepped out of bounds here. But anyway, the Lord's presence is right here. He's trying to be here. And remember, he's holy. So don't just be thinking, oh my God, well, I guess if he, if he did this to David, what's going to happen to me? Man, you know, you're going to see mercy here in a minute, so don't worry about it. And you've got mercy on you because of Jesus. But watch this. He said, I'll give you three choices. Three years of famine, or three months of destruction by your enemies, or three days of a deadly plague as the angel of the Lord brings destruction on the land. Think it over and let me know. Now, this was real. Well, I tell you what David's going to do. David's going to say, man, look, Lord, he, actually, this is what we're supposed to do. No matter what's going on, you, you plead for the mercy of the Lord. Watch what he does. He doesn't say, well, I'll take door number two. <laughs> look what he says. It's a terrible decision to make, David replied. But let me look at this. Let me fall into the hands of the Lord than into the power of my enemies, for God's mercies are very great. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel. Look at this. 70,000 men died as a result. And you say, God, why is that? Well, remember, God's holy. And we're all, the wrath of God is laying upon all of us, except for since we've accepted Jesus, that wrath stopped. Remember in John 3 16, God's love of the world. Okay. And he talks about those who believe, those who don't believe, the wrath of God abides on us. But not on us. It abides on them because they don't believe in Jesus. The Levites, remember, they were camped around the temple or the tabernacle to keep them from the wrath of God. It was a, 
Anyway, <clears throat> but obviously they hit a trip court here, didn't they? Okay. <laughs> but now watch how this sets up something very important. Remember, David wanted to build a temple, didn't he? And the Lord said, don't do it. So here comes this plague. During the plague, God sent an angel to destroy Jerusalem. But then, look at this, he felt such compassion. He changed his mind. Hallelujah. And commanded the destroying angel, stop, it's enough. The angel, now watch this. Here's, we, we could just tell the story, don't give us the details. That's because it happened. They got paintings of this. Okay. The angel of the Lord was standing at that time by the threshing floor. Remember that? You got hay going this way, wheat going this way. The powdery stuff was going out that way. Okay. At the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. When David saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth with his sword drawn. I mean, don't tell me our angels are not scary. Praise God. You got angels and can't about you. I don't care if it's MS-13 guys coming after you or bad guys or whoever they are. Or Al Capone back from the dead. Whatever. You're going to be fine. Okay. Pointing toward Jerusalem, he and the elders of Israel, they clothed themselves with sackcloth and they fell to the ground before the Lord. I mean, they knew they were toast. They knew all happened. Oh, David, what would you do this for? Now look what David said. David said to God, I'm the one who sinned, ordering the census. What have these sheep done? Lord my God, destroy me and my family. Don't destroy your people. Well, that's mercy, wasn't it? Anyway. The angel of the Lord said to Gad to instruct David to build an altar right there on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Remember, the whole time his angel's got this sword up, you know. But the Lord said, hold it. Ornan, look at this. Ornan saw the angel as he turned and his four sons. Man, they hightailed it. They didn't see him. When Ornan, then Ornan saw the king approaching, and so he left the threshing floor. Man, he ran to David. And he bowed to the ground before King David. David said to Ornan, let me buy this threshing floor for me at full price. Look at that. He's like, can you cut me a deal? You know, it's Christian. I mean, we'll give you a deal. This is for a Christian purpose. Please. I'll build an altar to the Lord and the plague will stop. Take, my Lord. Just use it as you wish, Ornan said to David. Take the oxen too for burnt offering. Use the threshing floor. Man, you just take it. Use the wood, the wheat, and the grain offering. I'll give it to you. Look what the king says. No. Mm-mm. I will buy it for the full price. I cannot take what is yours and give it to the Lord. Suppose that was you. Hey, what a deal. No, you love the Lord so much. No, I want this to cost me something, Lord. Because why? He stopped the plague. Praise. I mean, wouldn't you just be full of joy? I'm sure David was thinking, I may lose part of my family. And and he was worried about, he loved the people just like Jesus did. I will not, look at this. I will, I cannot take what's yours and give it to the Lord. I will not offer a burnt offering that cost me nothing. Now, this is so important. We're going to stop here in a minute. Watch what all this set up. This set up something so important. David paid Ornan $4,300 anyway, $4, in gold. He built an altar to the Lord there, sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings upon it, and he called out to the Lord, who answered by sending fire down. Good night. Well, may as well. The angel was standing there. Okay. Then the Lord commanded the angel to put, his, put back his sword into the sheath. It's over with. Then the Lord commanded, well, okay. Uh, when David saw that the Lord had answered his plea, he offered sacrifices again. Oh, my God. Lord, what can I do for you? Now, look at this. The tabernacle and the altar uh, made by Moses in the wilderness were on the hill of Gibeah, uh, but David didn't have time to go there to plead with the Lord, for he was terrified, look at that, by the drawn sword of Jehovah. Now, remember, it goes right in. We're just going to stop right here. Look at this. Then, right then, 
Remember, your son Solomon's going to build a temple. Look at this. Right here at Ornan's threshing floor is where the place I put this temple. You talk about praise reports. Somebody come along and says, did you ever hear the story about when David made a mistake? He was counting all the people in the land. That's where the temple's built because there was an angel right up here in the sky with a sword and he was fixing to clean out. You know, it was going to be horrible. David ran down there. All the men got down there. They offered sacrifices and they watched that angel put his sword back in his sheath. Anyways, here we go. Right here at Orna's threshing floor is the place where I'll build my temple, build the temple of the Lord and construct the altar of Israel's uh, burnt offering. Anyway, now David drafted all these people. We're going to stop right there. But in that instant, that's exactly where the site of that temple was. Praise God. And uh, anyway, I'm, I'm telling you, it looked like disaster was going to happen, but they avoided it. Praise God. And you saw what David did. David go, well, we need a chaplain here because I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I go to church some, but I don't, I don't know what's going on. No, David was, he was doing the talking to the Lord. You do your talking to the Lord. Say, help, give me my mercy, praise the Lord. Help me out. And we just read, if you keep on knocking, it'll be open. You keep seeking, you'll find. You, know, you keep asking, you'll get it. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you that you're with us, praise the Lord. If we're faced with any kind of problem or whatever, you'll take care of it. Father, if we're hurting in our bodies, praise the Lord. You sent your disciples out, the 12 and the 70, and then you commissioned the whole church to do the same thing. You'll take care of our bodies. Even as we get old, it doesn't matter. You'll fix them. Whatever's broke, fix it, Lord. Same thing's true financially. Boy, the money's just pouring in everywhere. Praise the Lord. We just thank you for it. If we're having financial trouble, Lord, get us out of that, whatever it is. And Father, if it's something else, it's just, it ain't money, it's not health, it's something else. Oh, praise the Lord, you'll get us out of that trouble too. And so that doesn't leave anything left but for us to just take notes and remember that you got us out and so we can tell others about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.